All right. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, doing this with me, man. Uh, I looked you up a little bit. I think you have an interesting story. Um, but I think, you know, starting this thing off, if you want to get right into it, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your journey, your philosophy, and anything else you want to tell the world, and then we can get the ball rolling. Awesome. So I uh, grew up in Washington State. Um, in my early 35 now, in my early 20s, um, got into quite a bit of trouble. Um, was definitely a, a troubled kid. Parents got divorced, some of the same regular stuff. Um, and when I moved out of that phase of my life, I always, I've always had a pretty good connection to source. Um, always had been a different thinker, um, outside the box for, for sure. And I just knew that there was something different and something greater. Um, and I've had angels show up in my, in my dream several times. And I remember living with my father and I was miserable and we were about 30 miles out of town and had no social life. Um, was really into fitness and uh, changed my life and eating really clean. And I just knew deep down that there was something, there was something bigger. And so in April of 2014, I was part of an MLM company. I was making about $500 a month, but that's when it all changed for me. And I took $600 in a backpack from Washington state to San Diego, California, and um, to really create the life of my dreams and, um, you know, figure out what else was out there. Slept on the beach for a couple of weeks, got a job training in a gym, slept in the gym office for a couple of weeks until I built up the finances to get a place. And uh, shortly after that, the gym closed down for taking multiple payments. And I was kind of like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And a buddy of mine, uh, Robert, was like, dude, if you can get me into an MLM, you can sell anything. And so um, I started. <laughs> Started selling high ticket for coaches and consultants, um, a marketing program for a company called Clients on Demand. And I had never sold high ticket in my life. And I had no idea what a coach or a consultant was. And um, I started selling it um, and doing better than anyone else in the company. So I had made more money than ever before. And here I was, and I'm getting this um, interesting perspective into the coaching world and talking to all these struggling coaches and consultants and energy workers and people that do Reiki. And I'm just, I'm completely blind to the whole, to the whole thing. And so, um, shortly after that, um, I had a woman named Marcy Locke, uh, reach out to me and Marcy has been in the coaching industry for about a decade. And at the time she was doing, um, over a million dollars a year coaching. So she reached out to me and she's like, found nobody that can sell my high ticket program. And I'm like, what are you selling? She's a $15,000 90-day mind body transformation program. And I'm like, well, no wonder you can't sell it. You know, that's quite 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 a bit. So I took a stab at and started selling it. Um, and she was just excited. And so she had me come in to run the whole back end of her business and her whole team. And I traveled with her and um, went to all these different conferences and we got into a personal relationship. Um, and really, she gave me an inside look at what it is to be a coach or a consultant. And I got a, an amazing education on how to help people transform their lives. Um, travel, spoke on stage with Les Brown, and did all kinds of different things. Um, and it was an amazing opportunity. Um, after I raised profits in her business by 50 grand um, a month, it was time for me to get a percentage and she wasn't having it, but she also taught me to create what it is that I want and not be a victim and, you know, and be the creator uh, that I was destined to be. So I had been doing social media content um, for about six months and I decided to launch a company called TyFit, which was my first coaching company, which was based around fitness, a, a lot of mindset, but I was really uh, a life coach pretending to be a fitness coach and helping people with their fitness and, you know, so many other areas of life. So I decided to launch it in the first week um, that I started selling it. I sold 10 spots um, in my group coaching course for $2,500. I made $25,000 and I'm like, wow, this is intense. I had no course. I had no idea what I, I had done this for people personally and, and done the fitness stuff and coaching. So I built day one of the course the day before the course started. I built day two of the course while they were on day one. And I built this eight week um, 
fitness mindset course um, and started. And so over the next four years, uh, Marcy and I split. And over the next four years, I marketed it strictly organically over Facebook. And this was at a time when Facebook was way different. Um, your view rates were way higher. Not everybody was a coach. Um, it was just a much different world. And so people were really taken aback by this guy who's just speaking his mind and speaking all this truth. And it did really well. And so over the next four years, I did about a quarter million dollars a year organically just on Facebook selling the fitness stuff. Um, shortly after that, um, my mother got sick with terminal cancer. And I remember, and this is relevant to the story, I remember that when I first went down to San Diego, my buddy took me to a life coaching meeting and we did this perpendicular purpose or passion test. And we got clear on the top five things that would make us fulfill the life. And the top five things were a quarter million dollars in personal income, uh, living in warm weather climate year round, um, the ability to generate money from wherever I'm at and travel at will, um, being in a relationship with a woman that I could see myself uh, marrying. And what was the last one? I can't even remember at this point, but basically, Four years after I had put that, I had it all. And I was sitting in my condo in Scottsdale and I had a BMW out front and a Mercedes out front. And, you know, I had all this stuff that I thought was going to make me happy that society told me would make me happy. And I was sitting out in my condo in Scottsdale and I was miserable. Um, I was, I was, I was miserable. I wasn't happy. Um, I was still struggling um, with alcohol and um, some other addictions and living in Scottsdale and partying. And I thought, what a crock. Like I've been told my whole life that once I have these things, life will be better. Life will be okay. And it was, it was, I, it, it, what it felt like was I made it to the end of the rainbow and looked in, you know, for the pot of gold, found the pot, looked in for the gold, but there was a leprechaun flipping me off pointing to another rainbow. And that's when I really understood, oh, this is what they're talking about when they say it's the journey, not the destination. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And so I made it to this destination where I thought I was going to find her. Um, I cleared my bank account over $100,000 trying to save her life holistically. We never had a good um, relationship. There was tons of childhood trauma in that relationship. And here I am trying to play hero and save my mother. Um, I went broke over the next six months. She lost a very short seven month battle with cancer. Um, I was tired of coaching. I was, I had imposter syndrome. I'm like, man, I'm a fraud. How am I supposed to help somebody change their life when I'm struggling the way that I am? Picked up the bottle, started drinking heavily. Um, and then hired a um, coach um, who I had known who was Marcy's coach. And um, he took me through some pretty epic plant medicine experiences out in Utah. And I got clear that I needed to take the next year to year and a half off. So I moved back in with my father, um, took time off. I uh, did a Pasna retreat, 10 days sit in silence, sat in silence a lot um, at his place in Washington. And I basically made a commitment to myself that if I couldn't find a level of inner peace or satisfaction, fulfillment, and happiness without any of it, even quit working out because I had hung my head on the body that I had for so long, I shucked it all. I said, oh, I'm going to find my real identity, who I really am. And if I can do that, then I'll go back out and I'll pursue um, my career in a coaching business. And about a year and a half later, I did. I found a, a real a really incredible, it was almost an enlightening experience meeting God under a tree where um, I just thought, oh, it's okay. And found a deep level of presence. And that was about, I want to say about 20 months ago. And since then, I've been rebuilding my coaching business, came back as a life coach and have invested tons of money into learning all that I do. Um, and that's the story in a nutshell. That seems like you have a pretty interesting story right there. I'm interested in um, the, the catalyst to that, to your change seems to be the plant medicine, right? This seems to be something in Utah that you said you mentioned. Uh, was it peyote or ayahuasca? Yep. Yeah. No, it was, um, it was, I've done those, um, at this point, but it was 5-MeO-DMT. 
oh. and um, psilocybin and wachuma. So psilocybin and mescaline. Wow. That's awesome. So what did that show you? Like, how did that, uh, what's, did it show you like a new light to see life and kind of like say, oh, I got to change my ways from here on out? Yeah, it showed me my inner essence. It showed me the child inside of me. Um, and then it also showed me the tremendous amount of love that I will always have access to. And yeah. so I had this idea that I had to show up a certain way to to get love from society and from people. And I had to be this certain person. And that just completely wiped that clean. It was like, nope, this is the love you have access to. This is this is the love that you'll always have because you breathe air, um, because you are a divine being. And I just saw myself in my true nature and mm. saw my childlike essence. And it was beautiful. Mm. And so since then, I've been working at childlike essence. Mm. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that seems to be what happens. That seems to be from... You know, from my personal experience and many others, it connects us to something that we lost. And it seems to be a connection to our innocence, like our true nature, or maybe just the nature that we neglect. And uh, yeah, from there, like once you connect to it and realize that it's always been there, even though we, you lose track of it. Even though like, so this from my personal experience, like even though you know, I might need a, a high dose of psilocybin or whatever mescaline or something in order to access it. I know that it's there. And I know that like there are other means to access it. You know, to, it's, it's like once you open the door, the doors of perception, um, you really, you always have it. You always have that in the in my back pocket. Like I always know that, like you said, that that love is always there. It's a beautiful thing. And uh yeah, it, it changes us. It changes, it changed me. It changes a lot of people. It seems to have changed you. And that's why I stand by the power of these medicines, man. So, um, all right. So how did your, how did your, uh, I guess, coaching differ from before you've had this revelation and now to, to now, like what is, what is different on how you coach people? Oh, so I believe that when we heal the enlightened parts of ourselves, um, we carry that solution in our energy. So first and foremost, actually embodying what I'm teaching, right? Embodying more of that. Um, a lot of the mindset principles that I taught were still accurate to today. Um, you know, what you focus on expands, like, you know, um, all kinds of different things like that. So Marcy had taught me a lot of it, but I was just teaching it and I wasn't really embodying. Well, after the medicine experience, I did take some time off. I did um, train under a couple different shamans. I spent time at the Native American church and really just started to remove all the judgment from my life. And when I'm helping somebody um, transform their life, the first part of it is the self-acceptance that they get to have for exactly where they're at right now. And it's the guilt and shame that we have around these things that prevents us from actually creating real transformation and what's what keeps us cycling back. And so the understanding of emotional frequency, David Hawkins work and how that frequency is so powerful and our emotional state is so powerful that it ultimately has a massive impact in creating what we see and the reality that we're in. And so much more of the energetics after that point, um, much more, and I'm a very logical scientific guy. So I've started to break down um, the physics and the, the quantum physics of it and the metaphysics and to understand um, how this stuff works. And then even from a biological standpoint, I started to look at how we can reprogram ourselves at the cellular level um, through emotional intelligence and emotional and frequency, emotional frequency, giving people a more enjoyable life experience, therefore creating more enjoyable experiences from that state of being. And so um, I wouldn't say that it's just completely shifted or changed. It's just evolved and grown and expanded into something more. Um, and then also, um, I do a lot of shamanic work myself. Um, and so taking people, I actually, in May, um, 
this last month ran the most successful healing event that I had ever had. It was the most fulfilling weekend of my life. I had 12 people, had a state trooper there. If that tells you anything about where the world's going and changing, had a state trooper out there to do medicine. And it was powerful. And 12 out of 12 people said it was the most transformative weekend of their entire life. And in these states doing a lot of um, generational work, constellation work, basically inner child work, repeating mantras and finding where the trauma is deeply lodged into their body and moving that um, through energetics and Reiki and things like that. So I've really stepped into it. I'm like, I'm very much the logical guy again. And a lot of people are either very scientific and logical or completely spiritual and woo. And I I would like to think that I found a balance in between those two. Um, and so it, it's continuing to grow and progress, but lots more energy work, um, lots more understanding on what's at the root of these patterns um, that people continue to experience. Mm. What is at the root? Would you say is, it, is a lot of it trauma, like just from our past or like our upbringing or maybe uh, in our DNA so there is some DNA aspects, but a lot of it comes from trauma. Yeah, a lot of it does come from trauma and trauma repeats. And so, you know, it really is about healing um, those traumas and coming to terms with a lot of the things that we've dealt with in our childhood or with our parents. But trauma absolutely repeats. Um, and a lot of times at the core of it, it's distorted beliefs. So, you know, and when I say distorted, there's there's distortion and illusion and then there's there's truth and love right and anything outside of that there's a great book um, that i love that i've read dozens of times called love without conditions by paul farini it's a channeled work um, about christ's real message without all the religious dilution and that is amazing and it really comes down to loving yourself and you know, we all having this evidence of wanting Carl Jung. Um, if we have it subconsciously, we most likely want it. It's where we're comfortable. And so, yeah, trauma at the root cause, but there's just so much that goes into it. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, can you take me through like what your, uh, your session was like with these people? Like what, what exactly did you guys do? Yeah. So, um, are you talking about at the event? Yeah. Okay. So we got there, everybody came on. Um, we enjoyed, you know, um, some community and just fellowship. And then I had a woman come out, um, that, so the first experience that we did was psilocybin, Wachuma and MDMA, um, in combination. Um, the three of them. And so we had a woman come out and facilitate um, a shamanic journey um, with breath work and drumming and sound bowls and basically bringing people in um, well and then walked around, um, dose everyone up and um, and then really just allowed like my job in that space is to listen and respond. Like if I get in my own head, it's I'm never going to be as effective. It's just dropping in, listening and responding and doing what intuition wants. Um, so there was a lot of different um, moving energy and Reiki and moving things out of people's body. There was some deep conversations about um, people asking questions or getting epiphanies and wanting different insights. And then there's different mantras and things that we can repeat. Like, let's say somebody's carrying something that their mother dealt with and never actually dealt with it. Right. Um, what's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. Um, you know, I'm giving you back what's, what's yours and I'm keeping what's mine. Thank you for the lessons that served me well, and I'm no longer keep, keeping it. And just, you know, speaking these things in that state have a profound effect. Um, Oaponopono, um, looking at yourself in the mirror. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. And I love you. Repeating these things again and again, repeating them to your parents, repeating them to other people. They have an amazing way of breaking the energetics. And really it's you taking a stand like, no, I'm a sovereign being like I'm a sovereign being and this is me. And I've been carrying all this stuff that isn't me. And I'm choosing from this day forward to no longer carry it. And then there's obviously so much work that goes into it after. Um, and then, um, 
the following day um, for some people that were dealing with depression and things like this, we did do some ketamine experiences and then we did individual 5-MeO um, DMT experiences. And one guy um, went completely in and he was like, he started crying and he started going, mama, mama. And I was just like, yes, like he's healing, like deeper than childhood, like infant, infant trauma. Like, um, you know, whether he's in the cradle and the mom's to be found or whatever that looks like. That's pretty powerful. Sounds like he went through some kind of rebirth experience. That's, um, that's a lot of times people do. Yeah. That's kind of what it's about. Right. It's like kind of, uh, that's the whole essence is, I, I realize that's kind of what a psychedelic experience is. It seems to entail uh, a simulation of death. <laughs> and that sounds gruesome. Like it sounds like very grim, but it's like you're, you're, you're killing your, your built up patterns that you've been conditioned into mm-hmm. a, AKA your ego. You, you kill that, which is a very, as a very strong foundation. You know, you, we've been programmed over the years, repetition, you know, over the years that we've been programmed into certain ways. So sometimes you do need to simulate killing that 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 idea of yourself, and sometimes you need the aid of our plant allies. And I'm I'm impressed that you have um the, a wide array <laughs> at your use. You you have mescaline, psilocybin, uh, uh, what what else was the uh, ketamine and five MDMA of DMT at your disposal, and MDMA. That's um that's very impressive. Like if if you can't get through with any of that, then you, I don't know what's gonna do it, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're in trouble. Well, what happens is if when you take the MDMA um, first, you know, 30 minutes prior, actually shuts off the part of your brain where your ego resides. And then the Mm -hmm. others connect you to your higher self. So you shut Mm -hmm. off the ego, connect your, and it's just, you know, in combination like that is fascinating. Um, And I've been really blessed to be connected with some amazing, um, some amazing people, some amazing labs um, where I'm getting, you know, the cleanest stuff on the planet. And um, really, really fortunate. And, you know, everything's tested for purity. And like, even, even the grower that I have out in Washington, um, prays over um, the psilocybin every single day, like goes in and talks to it and prays to it. And, you know, and I, and I like intentions huge. And so I've really, yeah, sourced some amazing stuff. And, at the end of the day, my job is just to help people transform. Um, sometimes people are so stuck that that can just progress them, you know, years forward. Um, and then we can get the real work done. And I'm by no means telling people, yeah, go out and do this stuff every weekend. Um, it can be like a one shot bang. Um, and most people do it too much and they're not even taking time to integrate. Integration is the most important part of any medicine experience. If you can't bring it back and you can't integrate it, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Exactly, man. That's what it's about is you use these medicines to heal. You don't just use them to like, you know, watch a movie or something. That's what a lot of people use it for, though, is you just think it's another drug just to get high. But like when you actually use these things effectively and to better your entire being, um, they can they can work wonders, man. You can become a brand new person. You can see life in a whole new light. But yeah, it's it's important to to have that education like we need people like you to be here for other people that don't necessarily know how to go about that um so yeah so what you're doing is extremely important man and, and you know i don't know i think the the world definitely needs more people like you and people that you know the, that lady that you said um was facilitating the whole thing or like was she like the shaman that was there would you say no so i actually played the role of shaman Um, I'm in pretty good shape and my clients, uh, nicknamed me the Spartan shaman. Um, and I, yeah, I got the, you know, the whole, the whole garb and the get up and the selenite swords. And, um, (laughs) yeah, I, uh, I really transform. Um, and so it's, it's in, for me, my practice is just about growth and expansion. Like instead of just doing shamanic work, I, you know, I, I cover the whole, the whole ray. Now, um, when it comes to Aya, um, I know. And so if I know somebody that can facilitate at a higher level, I'll always refer people out. Um, I know one of what I feel is one of the best Aya shamans here. And he goes down to Columbia to harvest his own medicine. He's amazing. So when people ask me for Aya, I don't facilitate that. I send them to him. Mm. I might have to uh, be in touch after this interview. It seems like you have good connections. <laughs> yeah. Where are you located? 
Um, I live in Massachusetts, kind of like outside of Boston a little bit. Okay. Where are you at? I'm in St. George, Utah, Southern Utah. Okay. High desert. Nice. Nice. All right. Um, about an hour outside of Zion National Park. Oh, okay. That's a little coincidental. <laughs> That's cool, man. So, uh, the Spartan Shaman. I like that though. You should, that, that should be your name. I think that should be like the, your tag. <laughs> um, yeah. One time I was hanging out, I, I figured I'll, I'll tell this story now. One time I was, uh, I was in Guatemala. I was hanging out with this other guy who was a shaman and, uh, he was, he was, uh, he was, telling me like he, we were going through this like uh xi number it's called the she number and i guess it has something to do with the mayan belief system it's all related to like the day you were born where the stars were located or something i didn't really fully uh comprehend it because he gave me a lot of information in a little bit of time and we were also smoking cannabis at the time so he's going through this whole um you know uh what i gave him my birthday and I think a little bit more information and, uh, he's going through this whole, uh, he's like drawing this mural telling me certain things based upon my birthday is like, Oh, you are, you have the wolf spirit in you. And because of this, you have to do the blah, 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 blah. And he's telling me all of these things uh, based upon just, like I said, my birthday and, and something with the stars. And at the same time, he's drawing this magnificent picture, which I don't have anymore. And I wish I had. I don't know what happened to it, but it was an amazing picture, all based upon my XI number. I think it's called she number or something like that. And at the end of it, he just goes, oh, he goes, Gary, I've never seen anybody before that has a she number like this. He's like, you have to follow the shamanic order. He's and I'm, I'm just sitting there. I'm stoned out of my mind, right, in Guatemala. And he's telling me this, like inducting me into the Jedi order. And I'm just like, what is going on right now? I had, I have honestly no idea what was going on. So he, he gets out this bag of beans and he says, Gary, you have to take these, take these beans and follow, he said, and go speak with other shaman and then gather the beans from them and you collect your own sack. So essentially the beans were like representative knowledge, I guess, from other shaman. And then when you collect your own sack, you give the beans to other people that come and want your knowledge. I also don't have those beans anymore either. So unfortunately, I, I must have committed some kind of sacrilege, but I seem to be, <laughs> <laughs> I seem to be on that path. I don't know. I don't know if I am uh, in the shamanic order or not either, but it was a trippy experience that I never told on air before. So I kind of just wanted to tell people and it was uh, really interesting, man. Um, what do you think it means to be a shaman? I've, I've been reading some Dennis McKenna and uh, Terrence McKenna uh, lately, and they, they talk about the, uh, the archetype of the shaman, but I think it's a really interesting idea and archetype that I see our society moving toward. Like I see us collectively moving toward um, the, the, the shaman, like the idea of the shaman is something that we've lost in our society, you know, like the medicine man, the, 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 the man that heals not through the physical world, like a doctor or a hospital, but somebody that genuinely heals deep rooted trauma and they heal throughout, I guess, the spiritual world, you know, whatever that means. Um, so what do you think? What would you say a shaman is in the 21st century sense? Is it kind of like that? They yeah. go into this other world and then from that other world, we, we heal in this world? Well, I guess everybody is different. And I think we put a lot of um, weight into words. Um, and a shaman is a healer, um, you know, and there's going to be different levels and different skill sets for all different types of shamans that have, you know, specialized in this thing or that thing or this medicine. Um, but yeah, it definitely is connecting the spirit world and the, and the physical world, um, together and going into the spirit world where there is no space and time, um, and being able to eliminate different traumas and eliminate different things, but also provide, specific insights and the right insights for the right individual at the right time for them. Um, and consciousness is like, there's levels to it. There's steps and you don't jump three steps at a time. You take step by step by step. And when people try 
to do that. Um, they often get confused or go through dark night of the soul, or it just splits them wide open and they don't know what to do with the information. And so, um, you know, for me, I want to guide people hand by the hand, step by step. Um, but yeah, I would say a shaman is a healer. Um, like you said, a medicine man. So my grandfather is a full-blooded Cherokee Indian. So I've got my card and, um, those are my roots, um, here. Um, and, you know, um, but yeah, shaman is just a healer. I guess we could call it a lot of different ways. Um, there are like, you're, you, you're going to go down and see a, a shaman in Colombia. It's going to be a way different experience than, um, working with me. Right. And so I think everybody is unique and individual, um, as that comes, but yeah, we are moving towards that. And it's a beautiful thing because we're realizing that a lot of our systems and our Western medicine, it's like, I read a stat the other day that the third leading cause of death in the United States is medical mistakes. Not like, oh, we weren't able to save you in the hospital. Like, oh, we made a mistake and you died. The wow. third leading oh. cause of death in the United States, over 300,000 people a year, um, die from that. And it's crazy. And the system is broken and people are hurting and they're suffering and they're looking for different things. Now, from my perspective, this is why we come here is to hurt and suffer, to learn duality, right? The karmic return. Like, I mean, that's why we incarnate into here. And you had said something earlier about, you know, a death and rebirthing process. And it is very much that, especially the 5-MeO-DMT. Um, because it's complete out of body, like you're, you know, and the other ones you're kind of here and kind of there, but this one you're, I mean, you don't even know you have arms and legs at a certain point. Um, and for anybody that's looking to come to terms with death, I think life gets really beautiful when we accept death, that more that we can accept that death is inevitable, but it's not, it's not a negative thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And uh, Dr. Dr. Michael Newton wrote a book called Journey of Souls. And he does uh, QHHT, quantum hypnosis, hypnotherapy, past life regression. And he wrote this book through hundreds of different client stories. And he takes you on the journey that the soul takes from death to reincarnation. And even how we go about choosing our lives and choosing our parents. And it is fascinating. And after I read that, like, I'm like, oh, like death is just going to be another experience. Like until I choose to come back here or another place or where, wherever it may be. And I was raised a uh, devout Christian. Right. And so I've always been a fan of the teachings of Christ, but I was raised about Christian. So reincarnation wasn't real and all this other stuff was real. And so I've had to shatter my own paradigms um, around that too. Mm. Like I've always, I remember being 12 years old and being scared. Like I would commit a sin or I'd look at some pornography or do something like this. Right. And I'm terrified. Like if Jesus comes back right now, I'm burnt, like I'm burnt, like literally mm -hmm. I'm going to hell. Like I've got to, you know, what do I do? And I was terrified as a child. Right. Yeah. And if you look at religion, um, the rapture has only been taught for about 120 years. So if you go back 180 years and you start talking about hell, they would have crucified you. They would have, they would have hung you. Right. It would have been like completely no. Like, and so it's really interesting the way the religion is twisted, um, you know, spirituality and God. Yeah. And there's conversations millions. Of, day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, we can go down that rabbit hole, but that we would be on that for a while. But, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is there's millions of people living under that paradigm right now of fear. And that's what it is, is it, they institute fear into your mind from a young age. And I don't think, I mean, it's possible, but it's very hard to get out of that paradigm. I wasn't ever, I wasn't raised like that, but I've seen other people that have been raised under that paradigm of we'll say like the Catholic church where it's just constant fear of, of doing the wrong thing. Like you said, and if I do the wrong thing, then I'm going to go to hell. But the thing that the truth is we're human beings. We're, we're faulted beings. We're gonna mess up. We're gonna do the wrong thing. Eventually like we're going to be, um, be subject to our nature, our human nature, which is, you know, which is uh, kind of clumsy. Human beings aren't perfect. We're just like these kind of things that um, we're just trying to figure out our way through this thing. You know, we're still animals at, at the end of the day is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, these these institutions and these paradigms that we're brought up in 
are telling us to not accept ourselves. They're telling us to shoo away ourselves, or else you're going to be banished. You're a bad person. Feel guilty. You're an evil person, right? That's not the truth. That's totally not the truth. That's so far from what Christ was teaching, from what all of these original belief systems were teaching, man. And when you take these plant medicines, they'll show you the truth, the the true essence of where these belief systems come from, man. And that's that's it's and they show you love, right? They show you divine universal love. And it's when you can find when you find that love that's always there, like you said at the beginning of the interview, you find that love for yourself, right? And when you find that love for yourself, you love all parts of yourself, the ugly parts, the parts, like you said, maybe, you know, looking at pornography or something, the, the parts that you might might feel that or other people will tell you to feel bad about. But w- what they show you, the truth is that like, there's really truly nothing to feel bad about being incarnated into this human body, man. Like, yeah. the truth of the matter is, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't change that you shouldn't change certain habits about yourself if you want to become a better person. But the first step to change is accepting and loving for everything that you are as a human being. Absolutely. And that brings me, that's, that's great. Um, There's a phenomenal book that I've gone through like nine times, two of them called the Jeshua channelings. And they're on Spotify. Anybody that has a Spotify account can go, go look at them, the Jeshua channelings. And it talks about, so if you look at the law of one and I'm not, are you familiar with the law of one? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, right. What the minds predicted the end of the world, that was actually the shift from third density consciousness into fourth density. So we're no longer in the density of the masculine. We're in the density of the feminine. We're in the density of love. And so, so many things are shifting and changing. And what it talks about in this book is that the Christ in, and I believe that the second coming of Christ is a consciousness inside all of us. And it talks about this being ushered in from 1970 to 20. Actually, I believe it's 1950 to 2070. It's a 120 year period where this consciousness is being ushered in and we're dealing with the pandemic and all of these other things that are playing the catalyst in uh, providing us the, the experience to be able to look deeper inside of ourselves. And you hear all of these spiritual people, I'm just going to transmute the dark into light, right? I'm going to just transmute the dark into light. Well, what's that saying? What kind of judgment are you putting on the dark? There is a third type of energy outside of the dark and the light. And that is the Christ consciousness. And that is embodying through love and acceptance, all of it, all of it. And so it's like, oh yeah, like most of the reasons that we hate parts of ourselves or darkness is through the judgment. And, you know, anytime that you pass judgment, you can feel your body tense up. You can feel your body constrict. And a lot of one, one of the tools that I teach people is how to tap into their body for the different feelings of expansion and contraction versus truth and illusion. And that's a really powerful technique to dial in and and get used to. So you know, I always tell this story, like act of all the parts of yourself, you have like a hundred kids, right? Let's say you're a polygamist, you have a hundred kids and 50 of them are running up in the house. You love them. You put bumper stickers on your car about them, straight A students. Yeah. I love them. Show them off to your friends. You love these kids. And those represent half of you. And then you have 50 other kids that you lock in the basement. Don't you come up here or I'll put you back in the basement. Right. And you're like, you don't want anybody to see them. You're embarrassed of them. Well, if those children aren't loved, they grow up to be criminals, degenerate, rapists, murderers, all of those things. And when we don't actually accept and love the dark parts of ourselves, that's when they get out of hand. That's when they manifest into, so like there's a murderer inside all of us. There's a narcissist inside all of us. Trust me, I've done a lot in my life to love and heal the narcissist inside of me. And it wasn't until I started to love the narcissist inside me that I stopped dropping a lot of those traits, right? And so we have to, we have to understand that we both have both sides and, and not one is better than the other, but both deserve love. And the reason that your good parts are, are extenuated, are accentuated, and that's what you show people. And that's what people talk about, right. Is because that's what you're giving love to, right. It has nothing to do with, with the good or the bad. And it is what you choose to embrace, accept, and love. And that turns into something that you honestly embrace, accept, and love. So if you love the darkness, it will transmute it into something that's more enjoyable that you, that 
you have a better experience with. And so, yeah, that third type of consciousness is what I'm like fully engulfed in right now is, is even like getting downloads and creating processes to open up energetics in the body to allow that Christ consciousness to come in, in the middle of medicine experiences. So people can understand what that unconditional love looks like. Mm, that's awesome, man. And that's, yeah, that's real love. That, not, not the love like you see in the movies, you know, not the love like you might see on Instagram or something. That's, mm-hmm. we, we convolute the, the word love with, you know, the, the love we're talking about here, which is pretty much unconditional acceptance of the human condition, I guess you could say, in, in, in other words, isn't really the love that we talk about in our, in our society. That's, I guess we can attribute that maybe more to lust or, or pleasure or validation, you know, there's probably, there's other words that you can, and labels that you can put on it. But like you said, that that third aspect is really just fully accepting what it means to be here in this body. When, when if, like you said, if you run away, which our society is, is built on running away from that, we like to just put up the blinders and, and just ignore those parts of ourself. Um, yeah, we're just going to stay on the hamster wheel. If you keep doing that, and I'm talking to anybody, you know, I'm talking to myself too. If you keep doing that, you're just going to stay on the hamster wheel of suffering, bro. Until you accept it, until we fully love all the aspects of ourselves that aren't necessarily always um, easily witnessable, I guess, or easily accessed, um, until you first become aware and then like you said transmutate the energy whatever that means however you do it we're not that's how that's you know you're not gonna grow that's how you grow like truly grow it's not like grow in your bank account you know or grow with instagram followers or something like that and like no how you truly grow as a conscious being is first becoming aware of your full essence as a conscious being and then nourishing it um purifying it and you know it takes time it takes effort it takes discipline but i think that is the shamanic path that we're getting to that we're all collectively encompassing or slowly getting there you know not all of us but we are working toward that maybe it might take another uh, 50 years to 2070 but we're slowly moving toward that shamanic essence of of healing and um i think that's what a shaman is from what i read it's like they they recognize a shaman is somebody that has gone through sickness themselves. Like they, they, they have gone through some kind of trauma, something in their life, and they healed themselves. And thus, from their healing, they heal others. It's, it's like you know, it's almost like the, yes. the, the idea of being the bodhisattva. You know, they're here. They reincarnated here to help others, right? So that's kind of what we're we're all doing. That's I see us. It's a collective effort of healing our past trauma, healing uh, ourself as a collective, and then moving to become this uh, new species of a human being, like residing, like you said, on that that third essence of that, um, it's a, like you said, that Christ consciousness, essentially. I know that sounds a little, sounds a little out there and sounds woo-woo, but it's really, it's the truth, man. You can't hide from it anymore. Like the cat's out of the bag. And you realize that truly, we realize that like we're, we're talking here and we're just, we're, we're, we're kind of just, we're not really in that essence, I guess, I guess we are, but like when you truly are on, we'll say like some kind of powerful plant medicine in the right circumstances with the right people, with the right intentions, you realize that's the truth. Like we, that, that, that Christ consciousness that we're talking about that we, I can't convey through words, you know, to whoever's listening to this, you're not going to really fully comprehend or not even comprehend or feel it you know get it in your intuition or just experience that you can't really get that unless you fully directly experience that but once you directly experience that and you you feel what that feels like never lose it you you know that's the truth and you can't hide from the truth like it's always in there at least for me i'm speaking from my personal experience i've had some personal experiences myself where i'm just like yep this you know love it's all about love man and like i said it's not the love you see in the movies it's that true love that jesus was actually preaching when they said god is love in the bible it's not like god is love in the movies it's that like we just talked about unconditional love of this experience 
and that's what we're moving toward, bro. It's it's a it's a process. It might take a few years, like I said, but we're getting there. And just this conversation that we're having is proof of it, to be honest with you. It's a beautiful time to be yep. alive. It is a beautiful time to be alive. And, you know, that's what I'm committed to is is helping other people experience that for themselves because you can hear it in words, but until you actually experience it. Yeah, and you have to. Like, so we have, I have a running joke with all my clients and I always say there are no words. Like there are no human words. Like there are no human words that will allow you to comprehend or understand it. And so my clients are like, I'm like, what are you experiencing? They're like, there are no words. <laughs> there, there are no words. And and I love that, right? Because when you look at Ra coming back down and in, in those, he always says that our language is so limited that he has a hard time expressing his truth through our language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can just use it as symbols. Like our words, we can just use as symbols. And I guess we can go back and forth because we both know what we're talking about. But to somebody yeah. that doesn't know what we're talking about, it's just gibberish. It's just like, these guys are crazy. What are they doing? Like, Christ, what is this? What is all this? These guys get to lay off the drugs. But it's because we both know. And once you know, you know. It's a crazy thing. It's like once you open the door, you always know what's on the other side. And it's it's beautiful because it's liberation. And once you're liberated, you don't really go back. At least in my mind, I don't. I, no, I'll never go back. Like I always know, I've I, I've simulated death, and I've I've come out alive. So it's like that's the that's the idea of rebirth, and this whole the idea behind psychedelics is like they show us that death isn't death is safe. When you die, yeah, well, it's not necessarily I guess the end per se. It's more of like a, a metamorphosis. At least that's kind of what I've was shown. It's it's it shows us that we're just like the caterpillar to the butterfly, you know, like we're just, we're just, um, we're just, it's almost like this life, this incarnation is preparation or just like a preliminary to post this life, you know, post to our, to our death in this body. And, um, it's an idea that goes beyond rational thought, right? It's like, what do you mean? Like, you know, once, once you, once you die, like that's, that's it. But it's just What's like, beautiful is go ahead. go ahead. When you experience that, like then my job after that is to teach, teach clients how to access that same space without the medicine. So there's yeah. always, there's also something that I share with my clients and I'm always like, you are the medicine. Mm. you are the medicine right mm-hmm. and this is the thing like yeah when you were making that comment like oh yeah these guys are probably just lay off the drugs right <laughs> um i don't do plant medicine any more than three times a year right and um a lot of times when i'll facilitate i'll take a small amount to get into that frequency right but it's not you know it's not a massive a massive amount um so when i do facilitate i do take that but it's about the integration and you are the medicine and so what the medicine allows you to do is to open up parts of your understanding and your awareness so that you can then tap into those parts because you have an understanding and awareness about that right yeah. and so like i'm a huge fan of meditation like so every morning i wake up i go down to the river and i do an an hour and a half of qigong and white tantra so i open up my 144 meridian points open up my seven chakras and then i get deep into a meditative state for 30 minutes and i am accessing those states um, without the medicine and so that's the truly beautiful thing is like oh yeah when you go back to the comment oh these guys are on drugs well I can access these states completely sober. And when, when I shut off this and I get into this, that's what still remains true. And so that is really what gets people to be like, wow, okay, this is, this is the truth. Right. And there is so much. And if we could just, if society, and we are, but if we could just gain a fraction or a percentage of this, like a collectively, like the world would change overnight. Um, mm-hmm. It really would. Yeah. Yeah, it's all in us, man. That's that's another thing too. Like you, like you said, like eventually when you when you start to do it um, regularly, I guess you could say you you like well, and you start to integrate it. You learn well. At least for me, I learned like yeah, I can integrate this myself, and I do it a lot through Kundalini Yoga. I've been getting okay. into that a lot lately, and like Wim Hof breathing, like Tuma meditation, you know, the breath of fire stuff like mm-hmm. that. I've heard. People say you can endogenous, endogenously release DMT in the brain. 
I don't know if there's any studies on that, but I know doing these practices after I'm done, I'm just like, whoo, wow. I feel like I just went through a psychedelic experience. Like I'm, I've been into um, doing Kundalini yoga at this ashram near me. And I did this last week after I got home. I'm just like, I feel, I felt like I went through some kind of psychedelic experience when all I really yep. did was just, I sat on the front lawn with these people, did these spinal, you know, mm -hmm. uh, exercises and, and breathing. And I just felt like this energy that I've never felt before in my life. And it felt like I, if somebody told me at that point, like, yeah, man, we just, we, we dosed you with some DMT. I would be like, oh, I, yeah, I, I believe it. I feel like that, but it was yeah. just all through breathing. So yeah, man, it's all in us. Like all of this, like you said, we are the medicine. We have it all you in are us. The medicine. It just, it takes, um, it's just, it's tough, man. It takes a lot of, not everybody is willing to go through that, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm not judging. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody because I am. I just see that as a fact right now in society. Like if I was to say to a lot of people like, hey man, if you want to make yourself a little bit happier and a little less anxiety, you kind of just got to go meditate, do some breathing exercises, maybe a little bit of yoga, maybe go for a run, you know, become more in touch with your body a little bit more. Um, it, the idea, just the idea of that people shy off, you know, they'd rather just sit in front of the TV or, you know, play some video games, pop some pills and just kind of, you know, zone out and just ignore our problems but the thing is like these exercises they make us so we don't we can't ignore it it's like you, these are things to confront these things that are going on behind the scenes you know so that to me it's just like how do we get collectively on that wavelength of the shaman you know of pretty much because that's what we're doing like all of this all of these you know you do qigong kundalini yoga whatever it is whatever the practice is it's, it's all the essence of like, we're just diving deeper into our being, which that's what shamans do. So they dive deeper into their being and then they heal. Um, so like, how do we all get on that? I don't know. Is it going to take like this uh, collective catastrophe? Hopefully not. I really hope not. But it seems like we need some kind of huge catalyst for everyone to be like, okay, we really got to change our ways or else, you know? Well, I think we're getting that. And I think if you look, I mean, if you look at how much has changed in just the last 10 years, it's changed more than any other 10 year period ever. And now with social media and, and the ability to broadcast and the truth will always, the cream will always rise to the top. The truth will always come. So I do believe it is frustrating sometimes, but I do believe we're on that. Um, one thing that came up where you're like, how do we get on that? Well, I, I've studied a lot about NDEs, near-death experiences, and people have these near-death experiences, and they go into the spirit realm, and they come back, and their whole life has changed, and they're like, you know, they get all this, so it's relevant, because a lot of your listeners probably don't know, DMT is what you release when you die in the brain. Your brain gets flooded with DMT when you die, so we're talking about this rebirthing experience. There's a reason why it is. That's what takes you into the spirit world. And so it really is a death and rebirth. And I didn't know if you knew that or um, other people, but that is what is released. So when people are having these near death experiences and angels are coming to them or whatever, their brain is being flooded with DMT. Yeah, that, that, that idea is so perplexing to me because it's just like, is this just, is our reincarnating just continual DMT trips? You know, so when I die, that means my brain is going to be flooded with DMT and then I reincarnate into another body that when that dies, is that going to be flooded with DMT, you know? Journey and of I, souls. What'd you say? Journey of souls. Yeah. Check it out. You'll love through, it. Oh, wait, wait. Is that a book you're saying? Yeah. Journey of Souls by Dr. Um, Michael Newton. And it's it's so it's on Audible and it's so entertaining, Gary. Like it yeah. really is. It's like a 12 hour book. But I, once I got through 90 minutes of it, I just I just went through it because it's like a story. It's a story that he puts together from all these people's uh, meditation experiences, the journey the soul takes from death to reincarnation. And so, no, it's not all like that. And so that's what takes you up. But yeah, anybody who's interested in um, the process that happens between the end of this life and the start of the next one, Journey of Souls, that's mm. the book. Definitely. I'll check that out. That sounds amazingly interesting. That's what it's, we're on a journey, man. We're, we're doing some kind of, we're on some kind of track 
we're on track to what i don't know discover what we truly are no it's i don't know a constant expansion like we're here to expand and evolve like and to merge back with the creator it's just constant so we get into fourth density and then it's expansion into fifth density and yeah. like this is why it's so funny in the personal development world when people first start they get this new perspective or they heal some sort of trauma and they get this new epiphany and then they think i've arrived right and then and just like I did the same thing. Then after 30 times of those different perspective shifts, you're like, yep, I'll never arrive. Like, you know, and you don't, it's about the journey, not the destination, the way we started this podcast, right? It truly is about the journey and the journey does not end. It does not end at death. It does not start at life. It is a continual perpetual thing that is in like, if you can even wrap your head or fathom what infinity actually is like, that is what you are. You are an infinite being in an infinite world with infinite realities. Like, and like I was shown that on a medicine experience. So like, I actually saw what infinity was like, that was on an Iboga experience. Um, and I was shown the nature of infinity and it just rocked my world so hard. I didn't even talk for two days after I was just so perplexed, dude. I was so perplexed. Um, and you know, um, are you, you know, and we'll definitely have to connect on Facebook and stay connected after this. This has been one of the the funner, more interesting, just back and forth. I love these conversations. I have them for a living. Like I, I can have them all day long. Like they inspire and fulfill me. Yeah, that's awesome. Man. And uh, yeah, the biggest thing we can get from that, keeping it simple, is that we don't, we don't die. You know, if we are infinity, if we are infinite consciousness, the biggest gripe that I guess we have as living in this body is uh, that we we gonna die, and uh, yeah, we're gonna die in this body. Uh, which you know, there's nothing you can do about it, so you might as well face that truth uh, <laughs> while we're here. And I think once you, I don't know, it's, it almost seems like that's the point. It's like yeah, once 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 you can once you can kind of, I don't know what's the word, not like face your own death. You know, once you can kind of like come to grips with that um life seems to be a little bit easier you can have a little bit more fun you know you can kind of play the matrix a little bit better you know take reins of the controller of this game because you realize it is a game you know there's some there is some kind of weird game play show that we're, we're putting on here literally we're putting on a show here and uh yeah it just makes it a lot more fun you know because like you know you can't stay in infinite consciousness forever <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. we are, we are, we are infinite consciousness forever. But what I'm saying for the, for the point of this, my viewpoint in this body and your viewpoint in your body and um, the game we have to play with each other, uh, we have to, I have to be Gary Haskins and you have to be, <laughs> you have to be Tyson. And that's the game we play is that, yes, there is a side of me that knows deep down in my mind that I am infinite consciousness. I am a being that truly transcends the woes, the sufferings of what this body um, has gone through, is going to have to go through. But I know that those are just play things. And in this game, those are just trivial things that I have to, uh, they're like, you know, they're like obstacles in a video game that I just have to get through, right? But they don't mean anything for because for as long as that I'm here in this body and I have that Christ consciousness knowing full well that I am this spiritual divine being residing as this character of Gary um, I can play this character of Gary however I want I can play this game however I want it gives me a sense of freedom and it's not like freedom as in like um, it's like freedom uh, you know what I mean? It's like liberation, but it's a, it's mental liberation. It's not like necessarily yep. freedom to like, I can just do whatever I want and go wherever I want and take over the world. It's freedom resting in this body, freedom being alive, being just being a yeah. human being. And I don't think, I think that's what a lot of people, that's what we yearn for, you know, just being here. We all yearn for a sense of liberation. We feel trapped in yeah. these bodies, but I think, you know, knowing that you are, infinite consciousness but i also at the same time not that's freedom that's yin and yang that's you know that's duality and uh riding the line between those two that's the game at least for me mm -hmm. yeah. 
I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, as within, so without, and, you know, if anybody can take anything away, your internal reality, like what is inside of you is projected outside of you. Um, I don't coach anybody on business. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and over 90 days, my clients increase their income by 20 to 40% because I fix the hard wiring inside. And I don't even want to say fix. I help them create more of what they desire to experience in this reality. And nobody's broken. Nobody needs fixed. And that's the where it starts. Um, but it's, it's fascinating. And so for years, I built my business in the masculine do, 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 market, 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 this, this, this. Now I just go get heart-centered. I listen to my body and I act on inspiration and that inspiration um, pays off 10 times out of 10. There's a great quote um, that I love. Um, Jesse Elder actually um, was the one who I heard this from, but um, taking uninspired action is like having sex with your clothes on. It's not fun. Like nobody, you know, in, in, in our inspiration, our intuition comes from our heart space. And again, the Jeshua channelings um, are huge. Um, you're going to love those too. Um, I mean, those are just mind blowing and um they're really helping a lot of people and a lot of my clients um, integrate this stuff at a deeper level. Mm. You'll have to send me a um, all the things we talked about because I'm pretty sure we've talked about several things that I'm probably going to forget. <laughs> so after this, you'll have yeah, to send I'll me send you an too. email. Um, yeah, I'll send you an email too um, with how people can find me and stuff like that. Okay, awesome, man. Whew, yeah, wow, we went... Uh... We went to the depths on this one. I don't even know where to go from here. I mean, do you have anything you want to say? Like, I guess we can probably wrap it up. Uh, do you have any like closing words you want to tell the world? Yeah. Anything you'd like to get off your chest? We can always do it again. I mean, we can. We can always do it again and in a more expanded space, our state in three to six months or, you know, whenever. Um, I'm, I mean, there's so many different topics that a guy like you and me could go into. Um, and, you know, um, I guess, you know, no real words of wisdom, except your current experience is perfect. And your soul is actually like people say, oh, the universe provides or whatever. And through my darkest of experiences, um, I know that I'm going through that experience um, to learn the lessons that my soul came here to learn. And you either learn or repeat. And so what's important is learning growth and expansion and understanding the key concepts and an openness to learning and staying open and knowing that you don't know everything. And sometimes knowing that you don't know anything is the best state to be in. If you look at a child, um, a child grows more mentally, spiritually, and physically than any other genre of people. What is a child? A child's curious and they're open to wonder. They're in curiosity and wonder. And it's that curiosity and wonder that allows you the greatest wisdom that there is. And we all have access to this. But if you run around thinking that you know everything or you already have the answers to your life, well, those answers predefine your reality. That's what's creating your current experience. So it won't be until you 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 remove those answers um, that you'll actually create a new experience. There's, let me see if I can get this quote. This would be the wisdom uh, that I'd love to share. <sighs> if you'd like to cause, pause your current expansion and stay where you're at, try living in the answers. If you'd like to unpause your expansion and grow at an exponential rate, try living in the question. We want to live inside the question, not inside the answer. The answers are what have you exactly where you're at. And it won't be until you start to question that, redefine that, break that paradigm, change that belief, that you will actually usher in a new type of experience and a new type of way of being. And so, um, it, it, and it, I get it easier said than done. Um, you know, I've been on the journey for, for a long time. Um, 35 years now. So, you know, it's, um, it's been a lot. And then I'd love to say, Hey, if um, a lot of what I do is I coach basically all day long on Voxer. I use a platform called Voxer. It's a walkie talkie app. You can find me. My username is Tyson James Lee. Um, and just shoot me a message. Let me know what you're going, what's going on in your current experience. And I'll go back and forth with you a few times and um, provide whatever value I can. I'm on it all day. And I love to hear from people. I love to just hear from different people. And part of the way that I grow is by, you know, digging into the experience 
experience of others and in looking at their perspective and what's going on in their life and being able to help them navigate through that ultimately helps my own growth and expansion. And so again, you can download the app Boxer, V-O-X-E-R, Tyson James Lee um, is the username. And then you can find me on Facebook um, at, you know, I'm Tyson James Lee. I, I believe I'm the only one on that. That's why I use my middle name. And then on my website, I've got a three-part video series that goes into um, frequency, David Hawkins' work, how we couple that with emotional intelligence and how we put those two together that actually reprogram ourselves at the cellular level to experience a new life experience. And this is the science behind all of the spiritual stuff that we've been talking about. And I've got a three-part video series that you can watch and it will give you a ton of insight on how you can change your reality to be a more enjoyable or something that you enjoy more and want to experience more. Um, and so again, that's TysonJamesLee.com. And then uh, you can go to TysonJamesLee forward slash Foxer. You can download the app. You can set, shoot me a message and I'd love to go back and forth with you. Awesome, man. I'll put everything in the description so uh, anybody can, you know, get in touch with you. But uh, this was a great conversation. I think what we can get from it is that we are perfectly imperfect or imperfectly perfect, however you want to look at it. And that's okay. That's okay. It's okay to not be okay. And then from that mindset, we grow. We grow to be... Uh, whatever you want to be, I guess. <laughs> That's the point, yeah. right? Uh, but yeah, man, I definitely like to connect with you in the future. I think this was an amazing conversation, very enlightening. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. This was awesome. Yeah. And if you're on Facebook, just add me. It'd be great to connect with you. And I've got your email. Um, I've got an appointment after this. Um, give me a couple hours and I will get that email sent over to you with all the info. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it. And uh, awesome. yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be in touch. Awesome. Have a great one. Yeah, you too, man.